This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Women at Work on Business Radio. Here is your host, Laura Zarrow. Welcome to Women at Work and our ongoing conversation about how we can help more women join, stay, succeed, and lead in the workplace. I'm your host, Laura Zarrow, Executive Director of Wharton People Analytics for today's show from the annual Wharton People Analytics Conference here in Center City, Philadelphia. As we explore ways to help individuals and organizations thrive, we get to hear from some of the best minds and most influential leaders in management. Two of them happen to be joining us today. First up is my special co-host, Adam Grant, award-winning Wharton professor, New York Times best-selling author, and now the host of the new TED original podcast, Work Life. Adam is a central force behind our team at Wharton People Analytics and a champion of three of the things I hold most dear, generosity, creativity, and advancing women in the workplace. So Adam, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thrilled to be here. (laughs) So, Adam, in an era when the company man is theoretically dead, what does it mean when the company man is a woman who makes it all the way to the top? That is a great question, and I am definitely not going to mansplain the answer. (laughs) I have a feeling we have somebody who can. Our guest today is just that woman. Mary Barra, chairman and CEO of General Motors, started out as an 18-year-old intern and has become not only the first woman to lead a major auto manufacturer, but one of the most powerful leaders in business today. Mary, welcome to the show. It's really great to be here. So, Mary, I want to start out and ask you about the core value of hard work. Uh, I've heard many women say they have to work twice as hard as men to get where they are, and I've watched many women do that. Uh, but it seems like your focus is not on you know, being better than others. It's about your contribution and trying to show that, that you can lead in a way that, that creates value for everyone. And so I guess I'm curious to hear your take on, on this higher bar challenge. Did you experience a higher bar, and how did you navigate that? You know, as I look back, I, I don't really, I didn't ever feel it. I mean, there, sure, there's times in my career where, uh, you know, being a woman helped. There's times where maybe it wasn't as advantageous. But, you know, that happens for everyone. It can be, you know, can be many different dimensions of an individual that determine, you know, who gets a new opportunity, who gets an assignment, whatever. So I never looked at it that way. I mean, I think my hard work comment comes from my parents, especially my mom. She grew up on a farm during the Depression. And, you know, she she always, she believed believed in the American dream. She believed if you worked hard, you could make anything happen. Um, And, you know, she raised my brother and I to believe we could do and be anything if we worked hard. And so uh, that's the way I've approached life. And then, you know, one of the other things, and this was um, uh, my son, uh, he uh, saw this saying, he actually put it on his varsity jacket and said, hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work hard. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And, And so just this concept of if you work really hard, because, you know, the other thing is if you work really hard, um, you know, whatever the outcome is, you did your best. You know, so you don't have to go back and second guess and shoulda, coulda, woulda. You did your best. Move forward. So you're not working hard out of fear. You're working hard as a way of feeling good about what you've done and giving yourself every chance possible. That's exactly it. Knowing you gave it your all and, and then, it, you know, so what you controlled, you did your best. And, and there's a huge sense of pride in knowing that. So, Mary, you mentioned your mom, who you've also referred to as one of your first mentors. Yes. Now that you've had this tremendous career success, who's mentoring you now? Where do you turn to learn? Oh, so many places. Um, from people like Adam. I mean, and, and true story, I called him on an issue a couple months ago just to get his perspective because I was, I was wrestling with him thinking about it. I would also say when I first had the opportunity to become CEO, 
there were CEOs in industry that called me that I'd never met before, but called me and not A, to say congratulations, but say, hey, if you ever want to talk about something, I'm here. Um, and, you know, how generous of someone who I've never met before to call me and say that. You know, my, my board, I have a phenomenal board, and they all bring, you know, such diverse talent. Depending on the issue, I regularly call uh, different members of my board to get their perspective. And then going deep in the organization. I mean, you can learn so much from the person who's actually doing the job and getting their perspective. So there's opportunities everywhere for people to give you insight and help, which is, that's what mentoring is. One of the things, Mary, that I hear a lot from powerful women is that once they, they rose into the C-suite, all of a sudden, a lot of people wanted to help them, which I think, to your point, is often generous, but sometimes it's also smart or strategic. Do you, do you have a way of, of distinguishing who's really trying to help you versus who's just trying to get access to you? Um, and that's a good question. I mean, I, uh, I think I'm a pretty good read on people. Um, you know, but I've also been, if, if someone wants to help me, why say no? <laughs> um, so, uh, but you know, I, I think you can pretty, pretty quickly, you know, figure out who's there for the right reasons and who's got a different, um, motivation and, and then you just manage that in a different way. So I want to ask a question on the flip side. Yeah. We know that as we move through organizations, it's the people around us who are our community and they support us and we support each other. But we often hear from leaders once they move through an organization and get to the top that some of those relationships change. How have you found, um, you've been famous for sustaining the relationships within GM and connecting with people. How do you navigate this trajectory as you rise through the ranks and seek deeper emotional connection? Well, I think as you make those changes, you have to, you know, go back to that network. And and, and these are people that I highly respect. I I work day in and day out with, and and I consider them, you know, friends in many cases. And so making sure they know, I'm still just Mary, you know, (laughs) let's still talk. Let, you know, I still, you know, I still value you as much as I did yesterday. I, I do today. And, you know, making sure that you, you know, they know you really sincerely want them to still, you know, call you up and tell you when you think they're, you're doing something that could be done better or you, you know, you messed up, you, you want them to do that. And, you know, so the first time they do making sure, you know, I, I can't tell you when I've given, people have given me feedback. I'm like, thank you. I, you know, I, that was a blind spot. I didn't see that. And so recognizing and, but I think that first ounces, you've got to go out and make sure they know, uh, because different people handle it differently. So that's what I've always done. So you've made sure that that trust stayed intact. Absolutely. And that the connection stayed intact, even though you got a little farther away from them in the hierarchy. Right, right. But, you know, to make an organization like General Motors run, uh, it, it needs everybody. And, and, you know, sometimes the most important person is, again, is the person who's uh, designing something or is solving the issue. And so I think it's also the servant leader concept of how can I make you uh, more successful and enable you and give you the resources to do your job, that is my job. I mean, there's so often I say, hey, what can I do to help? One of my direct reports, I actually just sent uh, a, a big uh, process we're making quite a few decisions on, and he kind of sent it out to the team of, here's how we're going to make the process. I need your input. I sent him a note and said, hey, what can I do to support you when we have this discussion? And you know, I, and even the better answer is when he says, hey, you know what? I, the process is working so well. Um, I'm getting great feedback. I'm good. But I think you know, knowing that people know I'm here to support you is very, very important. Now, there's times where you also have to be, I'm here to give you some constructive feedback. I'm here to make this decision or I'm, you know, let's look at why this didn't go the way we hoped it would. But I think if you focus on the first, you have to do that less and less. 
Barry, when I've, when I've studied how to build cultures of givers rather than takers, servant leadership comes up a lot. And I love the concept. I, I worry sometimes, though, we know that, that women get stuck with, with more of sort of the, the less visible, um, sometimes less valued forms of giving. So we know women have to do more office housework. Uh, we know that they often get stuck, you know, taking meeting, or t- excuse me, taking notes in meetings, uh, organizing events, you know, sort of doing the things that are stereotypically communal. And it seems like in order to, to be strategic and make a big contribution, you, you need to be careful about that and not say yes to all of those things. So how do you think about setting boundaries while still having that mentality of service? Um, yeah, uh, you know, I think to me, uh, one of the things that we really work on is making sure that we're putting, that we're looking at diversity and who's in the core jobs. Every function has core jobs, but uh, because if you don't have people in the core jobs that are the stepping stones for the next level, they're in, you know, more of the support. And not that they're not important jobs, but they're jobs that aren't necessarily going to lead to advancement. So one of the things we're really working on is to make sure not just women, but the, you know, the full representation of diversity are in the core jobs so we have the right feeder pool to to demonstrate diversity and grow it um, as we go forward. And so that's where I look at. I I worry less about who takes notes. I mean, you know, there's power in taking notes. (laughs) Um, Well, you you capture, you know, what's, uh, what's, what's being said and what's focused on. I mean, although good meeting notes are ones that truly represent what happened. And um, so, but I mean, you know, just there's, there's sometimes, uh, you know, it's not bad to control the pen. Um, But, but I would also say, you know, part of it's my personality and I'm a mom and I'm a little bit of a neat freak. So, you know, if I'm the one at the end of the meeting, that's clearing three cups and throwing it out on my way out. I mean, that's just who I am. And I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm not going to stop doing it because I'm a woman and oh, I shouldn't put my, throw my coffee cup away. You know, again, it's, it's, I, I don't worry about that. I also hear your, uh, your inner engineer coming out in that comment. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that you mentioned in there was about how diversity is being cultivated throughout the organization. And we know that in order to really get traction there, we've got to become aware of our own subconscious biases. How and when did you become aware of yours? Well, uh, it was uh, through Lean In and talking to Sheryl Sandberg. And I've said this before, this was like this aha moment for me of how to really unlock diversity. And just yesterday, I had the most senior women uh, group together, and we we did a little mini, uh, uh, you know, bias training. And the, the other thing that I think is powerful about understanding it is everyone has bias. So if you, you it, it's an equalizer, and it's something we can all help. And one of the things we talked about, though, in the in the company, the best way to address that is to make sure we have diverse teams, because if if there's a bias about, you know how a promotion is going to be made or, you know, the type of person based on, you know, unconscious bias, if you've got a diverse team making that decision, that's going to, that's going to break that down. And so to me, it's, it, 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 like I said, it was this aha moment when I went, oh my God, this makes so much sense. And one of the examples I've used is I'm an engineer. So I tend to like people who are really (laughs) orderly and organized and do work in a a pretty, you know, regimented fashion. But I need to make sure my team has people who think completely differently. And so that was – it was empowering. And it's also a testimony to the value of the kind of lifelong learning process that at all different stages of career you can have these aha moments and really then maximize your impact in a different way. I completely agree. I mean, it, I when you have one of those aha moments, it, 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 you feel like you've been given a gift because it, it helps you explain more and understand more and, 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 you know, figure out how to empower more. So one of the gifts that you've 
given is to mentor people. And we know that the people who mentor others um, are kind of, it's a big ripple effect. But also, I think one of the things we all have to learn is how to be mentored. I've acknowledged that I was kind of challenging to mentor, particularly as a younger person. Adam's probably not shocked. (laughs) Um, What advice would you give to young people um, about how to best accept mentorship and put it to use? Well, recognize that it's a gift. Because uh, if you go through... You're, you know, two, three years on a job, and you never get any advice that you can be better. Uh, You might be missing out on, you know, what development steps you can take to to get to the next level or to get that assignment and get your dream job, you know, follow your passion. So one of the things I, I always say is recognize feedback as a gift, and the second thing is everyone has opportunities to improve. One of the things uh, earlier in my career I did as I was starting to do performance reviews is I, I, I would say, and you've got to give me one constructive thing to do, just to make it two-way, because it's a lot easier to you know, hear it if you're also giving it. And if you think about feedback, too, you know, the, the person who controls feedback is, is the receiver. Because they're the ones who, if they say, ah, oh, that's not right, I'm going to discard it, or I'm going to think about that, and I might change my behavior. So the power in feedback is the receiver, not the giver. One of the, I guess when I, when I talk with students and also with women entrepreneurs, the first thing they always ask is, how do I get access to a mentor or a sponsor? Uh, knowing that I need it, I'm willing to accept it, but I don't know where to find it. What guidance do you give on, on how to get mentored? I think there are mentors in, in your workspace all around you peers, seasoned professionals, your supervisor, the supervisor one group over, your, you know, uh, and, and I encourage people, every now and then I'll get an email from someone in the company saying, would you be my mentor? And I'm saying, say, you know, <laughs> let, let's talk about that. Because the better person in the company to be the mentor is someone who sees you every day, someone who knows that you at your best, knows, uh, give, can give you opportunities to improve. And so I always redirect them. It's, it's the people around you that you respect. And the other thing is you can also learn a lot from people that you don't respect. So if you look and you say, I'm not sure, you know, this is the kind of leader I want to be. Okay, what is that leader doing that you want to make sure you don't repeat? But you can learn so much from the people around you. And it doesn't have to be, oh, so-and-so is my mentor. It can be, <laughs> you know, I'm talking to this person today, that person tomorrow. As you may even be mentoring people right now in this conversation. <laughs> um, one of the questions that I have for you is about time. You noted before, you know, part of what you have to do sometimes is direct somebody somewhere else because that's what's better for them. In trying to figure out what's best for you, how are you going to maximize your impact how are you going to make the best choices about what you do in the day when you also acknowledge sometimes you're that mom, you're that engineer, you want to clean up the coffee pu- cups at the end of the meeting? How are you prioritizing your own calendar and learning what to say no to? Well, first, it's a work in progress. I, I, I constantly am looking at how do I, am I spending my time where it's going to be the most impactful. So on my work time, I'm looking at you know what, what is really going to move the company forward because there's so many things that pull on you. You know, what, what are the key things we've got to get done this year? Uh, and having the right people in the right place and the right strategy, that's where I really focus my time from a work perspective. Um, and then, you know, at home, it's, it's similar because sometimes the most urgent is not always the most important. And now that I have two college-age children, a lot of it is asking them. Uh, you know, the, your kids will tell you what they need from you, especially as they get a little bit older. And, and having that dialogue, but, you know, on a personal level... You know, I'm a hockey mom, I'm a soccer mom, I'm a cross-country mom, um, and they knew I'd be there. And, you know, to the point where the few things I had to miss, and I'd talk to them, about them and they're like, hey, I'm good. You know, you were here, you were here. You know, I get it, Mom. And and so, uh, but 
recognizing, you know, what's really important, especially, you know, from a family life perspective, and then what strategically is going to move the company forward is how I make that decision. But again, constantly getting, you know, adjusting. The, the comment you made about note-taking in meetings earlier got me thinking, you know, often we, we give advice or get advice that's wrong. And I'm wondering, is there career advice that, that you hear women given regularly that you think is, is bad? I, I think the uh, different forms of it, but what, what I worry about is when you're given feedback that it's not you. I mean, be you. Be yourself. Um, you know, and, and in, you, know, you can always... Uh, you know, I, I was given feedback earlier in my career that I needed to speak up in meetings, and that was really good. But it wasn't; I didn't need to start sounding like someone else. I still had to be me. Right. Um, and so, the advice that pulls someone too far from—that's not really them—I don't think that's that helpful. So, if you were an 18-year-old intern now and you were entering GM, what would you be most excited to pursue? What would be your ambition for your time at GM? Uh, I, I just think it's the opportunity of of what's happening. We are we are transforming uh, transportation. I've had so many um, so much feedback and emails and just in person from new employees of how excited and how proud they are to work for an organization that is working on the mission to create zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. And so. I think um, no, and we're. I feel we're mission based. This is what we're working to do, and uh, and the the technology now exists to do it. So, you know, you it's really unlimited of what's your interest and in, and in what's your passion, and and that's the beautiful thing at General Motors. We we do. Ever, I mean, we have so many opportunities, so many different functions across the globe that the opportunities are end, endless. Mary, I can't say enough what a pleasure it is and an honor to have you join us today. And Adam, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, as always, you can reach us at SiriusXM 111. This is Women at Work, business radio powered by the Wharton School. I'm Laura Zarrow, and thanks for listening. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.